Welcome, everybody, to the sixth, I think, episode of Nerds on the Black, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for uh, Birds on the Black, St. Louis Cardinals blog. Today, I'll be joined by Tara Wellman, one of uh, fellow contributors over at Birds on the Black. Uh, we're going to be talking the recent MLB news. So we had minor league contraction. We had uh, MLB realignment. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that stuff. We'll see what else she has going on. I adopted a puppy who's fast asleep right now, which is surprising. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that crate training. Uh, I think me and Tara are having some similar challenges in that regard. Um, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kick it off. Tara should be joining here in a second. Um, again, we'll talk minor league realignment or minor league contraction, I guess, probably first, um, one of the big, uh, Big things coming out of probably the coronavirus, the main impact um, that the coronavirus has had so far on uh, on baseball other than canceling. Uh, I think we're kind of starting to see the ripple effect here. So, Tara, should, Tara, are you on now? Can you hear me? Hey, I got you. Yep. All right. So I think we'll start. Um, we were talking a little bit before this. We'll start with the minor league contraction. Uh, so. We broke, I think, this morning. Maybe it was yesterday. My days are starting to blur with <laughs> the social <feel> <laughs> distancing, as I'm sure that everyone is uh, is aware. But um, a while back, there were reports that surfaced that MLB was looking to cut out 40 or so minor wow. league teams. Um, and I think they're I, – I forget the, to- the original rationale, but it was, it was something that broke out in spring training. It kind of got put on the back burner when – Obviously, some other some bigger issues picked up, um, but then it broke today or yesterday that minor league baseball is finally, after a month or so of probably negotiations behind the scenes, willing to accept some reduction to the overall number of teams in the minor league system. Um, to me, that sounds like an organization that probably is being. I think they're probably struggling operationally and having to kind of, yep. they're probably being mm-hmm. forced into this a little bit by major league baseball. I don't know if you have any, any insight on that aspect of it. Yeah. It's been an interesting day because this obviously is a story that was all of a sudden a real big deal over the off season and then kind of disappeared. And a lot of that was just because the negotiations the the meeting was set for a later date and we weren't at that later date yet. But then all of a sudden today, not only was it made public, although I think this was not necessarily a secret, but that the, the negotiations will continue via a meeting tomorrow, but that minor league baseball was in a position to potentially make some pretty major concessions. And you're right. I think the, the timing of it makes it really difficult for a lot of minor league baseball teams to to kind of stand their ground on on a whole lot of this because they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room at this point and that's I think one of the really frustrating things about it for me is that it feels a little bit like major league baseball taking advantage of the situation in a way that just is it's even more unfair than it already was yeah I think there's definitely yeah, obviously we're not involved, but we know that 
you know, minor league teams on their own don't year to year make probably make much money. I, I mean, they get their gate receipts, but they probably don't get a ton of, I mean, they don't get that. They're supported by the major league teams. The major league teams pay their players. So, but the minor league teams are responsible for, I think, you know, their pretty much everything else, of operations. Yeah. So their stadium, all of their employees, um, you know, any like rent, they're paying for facilities, things like that. Yep. And all that still, all that stuff has to go on. Um, we've seen MLB be even reluctant to pay the my, the minor league players. Um, there's mm-hmm. been, you know, that's been a drawn out process where first it was we were going to pay them through like normal spring, like up to opening day, essentially, um, for the minor leaguers. And then right. subsequently they, they kind of slowly extended that. But there's it doesn't seem like there was much um, that minor league baseball was able to do. I, obviously... They don't have the same – those teams aren't worth the same as what the major league teams are. They don't bring in the same gate receipts. They're kind of, I would guess, supported and during a season by the their major league affiliates, even if they're technically a separate separate business. But it does seem like, like to your point, that MLB sort of saw them in a vulnerable position. They were in pretty, I would say, tense negotiations before, and then this is a way for MLB to kind of strong-arm the financial situation to what yeah. they see as their advantage. Yeah. I, I mean, minor league baseball had a limited amount of leverage anyway. <laughs> so then to yeah. put, be put in a situation where legitimately there are some of these teams in smaller communities that might not be able to survive a summer without baseball because yeah. of the, I mean, the support that they get from the community, from attendance, from concessions, from all of those things. Yeah. I mean, look, there are not as many. Te- I've been told, well, minor league teams operate uh, at a deficit. Well, minor league teams, people in the know have told me that there are not as many teams as you might think that that do, in fact, operate at a deficit. But they're yeah. also not it's not a 10 billion dollar industry. No. So while these owners in many cases do have money, it's not quite to the extreme that you see at the major league level and the teams themselves operating just sort of functionally from year to year. There's not, it's not like there's this massive surplus that they can draw from. So yeah, like you're saying, they are already vulnerable in the sense that they didn't have a ton of leverage where major league baseball was concerned. And now they're vulnerable in a second way in that, just continue right. kind of now d- to be clear <laughs> this story came out this morning from baseball america that said minor league baseball is willing to concede all these teams and then minor league baseball released to say anything yet so yeah, it, it's break something that they're considering i guess yeah. in the yeah. negotiations but it's not not there yet i kind of wonder um if any of the like federal aid programs that are being made available mm. are options for minor league teams. I've actually heard that. I've heard that there are minor league teams who have applied for some of the, um, okay. like the small business loans and stuff. Yeah. Cause that would at least help get through. Um, yeah. You know, at least a month or two in some cases. But again, I think those in a lot of, I mean, there's some forgiveness, I think on a lot of those loans, but yeah. to the extent that they're going to need to be paid back, like, MLB is still going to need a season. I think at least for some of the programs, it's like if you use it for payroll, you're forgiven and it's right. just free money. Yep. Um, but to the extent it's used to finance other things, it might be. either way, um, like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that in a lot of communities that, you know, losing that as kind of their focal, that's the focal point of tourism for a lot, for a lot of, a lot of places, I think. Yeah. Um, where I grew up, we used to have the bears, Chicago bears training camp, um, hmm. in Bourbonnais, Illinois, 
for, I think we had them for 20 years. And they used to be down, it was like four weeks or so at a time, like from July to August. And then it slowly got less and less. And then they finally, I think this was the last year, maybe it was the year before, the Bears finally announced that they weren't coming back. They were going to use their facility up in Lake Forest and whatever. Okay. But you could definitely tell during just the like four weeks that the Bears were in town, especially like in the early years when it was new. Um, restaurants were busier. Sporting goods stores were busier. Um, There's a ton of development that was done over that period. So, I mean, I always talk about how like we never had a Chipotle until I like graduated. <laughs> I think I graduated college. So like I remember in high school, we would drive up 40 minutes to get Chipotle from the closest in the closest suburb. Um, but it, it's something that like our that t- like my hometown wasn't like dependent on that. But you can see how big of an impact it has when yeah. uh, you at least have because that's only, you know, it's training camp. There's, it's not. It's not a game. It's not. It's not even exhibition games. It's just practices, and that still mm-hmm. brought in a noticeable amount of people. So, even though it is just minor league baseball for somebody like in for St. Louis, like Johnson City, that's like the, probably one of the main things to do in Johnson City. Right. In South Bend, that was uh, at Notre Dame. There was a lot of a lot of people who went to South Bend Cubs games when they were around because it was just that mm-hmm. was a thing to do. Um, and without that, you just kind of lose that aspect of it in a lot of those smaller communities. Yeah, and it, in a lot of those communities, it's it's not just going to the games, right? It's the hotels that the team will stay at. It's the yeah. restaurants that they all eat at. It's the places people go out after the game. It's, you know, the the transportation back and forth and, and how they use that public transportation and all those things. So, yeah. yeah, it's super layered and nuanced. And And even, I mean, I know the team that is here, and I wrote about this, gosh, I guess back in December when all of this first came out. Um, the team yeah. that I cover here in the Quad Cities, um, they uh, they contribute essentially like half a million dollars in charitable contributions every year. So not only yeah. the economic footprint of like people buying stuff, but also, you know, these teams are all super woven into their community and doing stuff to support the community in that respect. And, right. you know, I, I guess... In this article today, it made clear that there is still this ongoing conversation about how to maintain all of these places, or in most of these places, I should say, uh, just without the affiliation. But I think anyone, yeah, and there's some. So initially, they they proposed this dream league scenario, right? Lots of problems, lots of issues with that. Everyone that I talked to said it's a joke. It's not ever going to work. One, you can't financially support it. Two, if one of the issues that they keep saying is a problem with the current structure is travel, now you're going to put teams all across the country in yeah. one league. And how is that going to yeah. eliminate travel issues? So that in and of itself, it doesn't work. But right. some variation of that potentially is what is is being discussed at this point. But yeah, it, it would be more along the lines of an in, independent league. Um, I don't know if, and I was talking to somebody who works in independent league baseball today, and I was asking if he thought it was probable that some of these teams would just end up joining uh, some sort of American league, or sorry, independent league, whether it's you know the Atlantic or the American or whatever right. it is, these independent leagues. And in some cases they could do that, but it doesn't necessarily mean... 
I don't know. There's still this weird power struggle, right? Where Major League Baseball yeah. wants to set this up so that it works to their advantage, but they're not technically affiliated with the team. So I don't know what kind of support that's going to require, whether it's financially yeah, or, you know, some other weird version of like, I don't know. They'll send scouts to those games specifically to watch for play. I don't know. I don't know what that looks yeah, like, but like, it's got to be something different. My thought would be with, with that is like, I mean, so John Bruby is a guy that he's the only one I could think of off the top of my head that came from independent baseball. Right. But like it's not a, so obviously it can't happen. It's not a common thing by any means. Um, but if you're going to, I mean, it, at that point it's purely just a, they're looking at it and saying, we don't want to pay these, whatever incremental amount we have to pay these players. Cause I think from MLB's perspective, that's really the only cost right is the the yeah. cost the payroll cost because they if provide, the minor league teams are paying for their own bit, operations and yeah they provide a little bit as far as i want to say it's like 25 percent of you know okay. baseballs or whatever it is <laughs> um yeah. but other than that the minor league team pays it all the minor league team pays for all the umpires the minor league team institute pays for all the, the travel league rule where you have to throw the you have to get the home runs and the foul balls back yeah to throw the, them all back <laughs> yeah throw them all back to the to the home dugout and yeah to yeah toss into the catcher you can only use four balls per game I, I don't like know it. How, I don't think that would work. Very well budget for, cuts. <laughs> yeah, budget cuts. Um, hey, we're all making sacrifices, so yeah, minor league, yeah. I guess, can at its <laughs> lowest levels can maybe do the same. Um, kind of, I guess, along the realignment line. So, I think it was two weeks ago now, maybe, was when the... So, we've seen a few iterations of this, but in an effort to get baseball played, MLB has gone... Uh, I think first we saw the baseball city where the idea was like everybody would play at Chase Field in the surrounding area. Yeah. Um, they, well, however many fields are there, probably spring training facilities. It'd be mm -hmm. fanless. They would be locked in their hotel rooms. They would be shoveled back and forth. They couldn't see their wives or their children or their partners, whatever it is. Um, and they were just going to play four and a half months of baseball and do nothing, you know, ideally um, in MLB's mind, do nothing else. That got shot down pretty um, – at least by some players, there were some that accepted it, but I think Clayton Kershaw was pretty outspoken about how, you know, he wasn't going to do it if he couldn't see his family. Yeah. Mike Trout kind of came out and said the same thing. Like you can't, how are you going to control? I think his point was basically nobody wants to just do baseball and sit in a hotel room <laughs> the rest of the day. Yeah. And I can't blame him for Which that. Which is fair. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like I've, I, we're all sitting in our houses the whole day where we have things to do and it's, uh, it's getting to a lot of people. Yeah. So I totally get that. And then I think maybe the next week it came out, uh, the Arizona and Florida realignments of the Grapefruit and the Cactus mm -hmm. League. Um, and then today I saw over, I saw it on Viva Alberta, so I don't know who originally reported it. I saw an article by Tyler Kinsey uh, where now they're considering instead of Cactus League Grapefruit League, they're looking at Arizona, Texas, and Florida. Uh, Graham, the puppy is asleep, which I am taking as a major blessing right now. Um, he has been, he's been mostly good, but sometimes he's a piece. Join, I'm sure, when he wakes up. Um, if I left the room, he would wake up and start yelping <laughs> within five seconds, but we'll talk about that after the baseball. Um, so yeah, so now they're, they're talking about three, I guess, three divisions or I guess we don't really know, but it sounds like essentially you're going to have probably a third of the league in Arizona, a third in Texas, and a third in Florida. 
most likely geographically separated. Um, so like the, you know, NL East, AL East likely being in Florida, the AL Central, NL Central probably being in Texas and the West being out in Arizona. Um, that would, you know, I think there was some concerns when we talked about KDH and like what you do, um, just with some of the like very basic rules of kind of how we schedule things, like what happens to the Cardinals Cubs rivalry? Is it totally dead after one year? Of course not. But I mean, that was floated out there. Right. What would, I, I guess going to three divisions of 10 would be even a more, obviously a more radical change. And I wonder like at that point you have to have, you probably have to have universal DH, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing that's so, I don't know, weird about trying to fix or, or figure out a plan that works for everyone for one year is that that's not how, that's not how, that's not how anything works. It's not how anything works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, at this point, I know that Alex and I talked about it on the, the podcast um, a couple weeks ago that like at this point, I'm kind of just like, embrace the weirdness of it and don't get too yeah. caught up in how it's ruining baseball because look, no one's going to want this going forward, right? This isn't like major league baseball sitting in their offices going, ha, 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 we, we got them right where we want. Like this isn't a good yeah. version of baseball and everyone knows it. So I wouldn't get too hung up on, well, if they change it now, they're just going to leave it that way. Well, okay. I mean, maybe if they, if they use the DH this year and, National League teams are like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Then maybe they use it, but yeah. it, it's not like we're gonna we're gonna completely restructure the game permanently. So th- that said, I think a lot of these plans still have a lot of problems, primarily with just like the general safety of people involved. And as long as that continues to be a primary issue, all the other stuff is a, a little bit like almost secondary. But um, yeah. as far as like the DH or you know how the postseason would work if you have teams in three different places like can you travel to another place to play in playoff baseball or are we all going to go back to normal by then or like what is how would that work because you know if you still keep everyone isolated right right like if you keep everyone isolated for the the duration of the regular season and you find some way to adapt the rules so that they're fair somehow across the board, whatever it is, as far as the DH and, yeah. and other things are concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, then then what happens when you play all the teams that you're in isolation with? Like, is there just no travel, no overlap there? You never play the teams that are in Texas. You never play the teams what, that are in Arizona. That's yeah. I mean, I would think that that's probably. About right, I'm because if you're going to that short or that realignment, we're probably looking at baseball starting in. I don't know. Let's say best case scenario, I've been saying July first. I think it's probably yeah. later than that, but let's say July first. Um, I guess if you do fanless, maybe it starts earlier. But there's obviously, like you said, a ton of hurdles, and a lot of them are just like kind of life hurdles more so than baseball <laughs> hurdles. Um, but say you say let's go with July first. You're only going to be playing. I don't know what is it. Ninety. If, if you play into October and then push the playoffs into November, like maybe you can get eighty-one to ninety games in. At that point, what do you normally play? Like divisional games. I feel like we, in a normal season, we play the Cubs like. What is it? 
I think it's I, 19 I, I want to say like, yeah, I was going to say like 17 yeah. or it seems it's like a ton. And so baseball has no problem making you play the same team over and over right. and over again. <laughs> so I would think that in this case, that's kind of what they would do is you're going to play each team in your division, you know, eight or nine times over the course yeah. of the season. And, you know, if you get stuck in a division, like I think for the Cardinals, the, the central divisions are kind of weak. So that might be an advantage. Um, Whereas, you know, for, like, Oakland, now they're going to have to deal with uh, the Dodgers. The right. Astros going the, – so the Astros are in the AL West. And so under the way I read this plan, that would put them in Arizona, which makes no sense if there's a league <laughs> in Texas. But for the it's sake of – kind of funny, though. <laughs> for the sake of the this, yeah. So imagine the A's now having to deal with the Dodgers and – the Astros, like the the A's, have been you know pretty good year in year out, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's just going to be another year where they're they're uh, again you know, mediocre. That. Just one super team, yeah. but you know two. Uh, yeah. For the you know in the East, you end up with the Yankees, the Nationals, um, as probably the main two. And I'm, but I mean the Rays are right behind them. Mm-hmm. You have the Mets have a chance. The Phillies have potential. Like there, there's a lot of good teams kind of on the on the coast and yeah. So, I don't know, I, I kind of like the idea of getting to play the Royals and the Tigers and um, the Pirates and maybe the White Sox if they don't develop yet a bunch of times. Right. That for some other fan bases, it would be a frustrating, it would be frustrating experience. But it would be baseball, like you said, in some form of baseball, assuming that we can get it without causing too many issues um, is better. Yeah. I would say the no baseball at all. There's a there was a a comment on on minor league teams that I want to go back to in a second, but first I want to finish my thought on this realignment thing because can you I mean it's got to be frustrating for a front office to like I'm thinking about the Cardinals right and they're like we can win the Central with this, but then yeah. all of a sudden if they have this realignment and they're like oh we didn't plan for those teams <laughs> like, right. on an entire off season of planning for how to beat the teams in your division. I mean, it's, yeah, well, a, it's and, a good argument for not just looking at the teams in your division, right? Like trying to make yourself one of the best teams in baseball, which is what the Cardinals have not done. Yeah. The Cardinals are, I think at one of the like blogger days, the one, the last one I was at, which was maybe two years ago now, I think, uh, I think I, if I remember right, he Mo basically said they aim for like 88 wins a year. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're a little above that, and sometimes you're a little below that. When you're yeah. above it, maybe you win the division, and when you're below it, you maybe miss the playoffs. But, it, you know, if that's the that's not the goal that, like, the Dodgers have, it's not the goal the Astros <laughs> have, it's not the goal the Yankees have. Um, and quite frankly, it's probably not even the goal that, like, the A's or the Rays have. So it's definitely yeah. interesting, and it could – potentially backfire i think in you know depending on how the alignment goes i I don't know that a ton changes for st louis but you're right that you're planning for in the you're kind of planning for a long term yeah you have a long-term plan you have you're planning around dh or no dh um this year they had the 26 Mm -hmm. man so now you're looking at you know we could carry an extra position player for the cardinals it's like do you need this kind of versatility do you need somebody that can just pinch hit well now if you go to a dh you you know we need somebody that can just pinch hit they traded uh, Jose Martinez be, to be yeah, forced Jose into Mar- needing exactly. a DH. <laughs> Jose Martinez would be a perfect DH if yeah. in a shortened universal DH season. Right. Um, not. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I like um, Libertor, which we're getting back from 
right, you know, what we right. got back. But that's a perfect example. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It would be it'd be Crazy. different, but yeah, such is the nature of I guess an eighty game season. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, okay, so this minor league uh, comment that happened a while ago that I ignored and then saw and wanted to talk about um minor league teams should separate themselves from mlb like the korean or japanese leagues okay so the reason i wanted to go back to this is because in the united states that they could i mean i don't know what you know if the the player development agreement completely goes away and they just don't sign anything else they could create another league but major league baseball has an antitrust exemption that allows them to function as a monopoly. So other leagues cannot compete with major league baseball. So that's why that doesn't work. That's why independent league baseball is a thing that exists, but it can never compete with major league baseball because they can essentially knock down anyone who tries to get in their way of being the only relevant professional league. So that idea would give minor league baseball leverage, but they don't have that leverage because major league baseball can essentially do what they want. Well, and within, uh, I remember in a marketing class, we did a case study on Bill Vec and we talked there at some point about how the team he had, the independent league team he had in St. Paul for a full season outdrew the Minnesota twins <laughs> But part of that conversation was that the reason they weren't like there was obviously demand for more baseball in in Minnesota, mm-hmm. but they weren't able to be an affiliated team because of the antitrust agreement. There's so many areas where you can't have a team within X amount of miles. You can't go to yep. certain cities. So I think like one of the so one of the things that's been coming up has been how I've seen this here and there. I think Craig Edwards at Fangraphs maybe mentioned it, if I have that right. But talk about major league expansion. So there, there's been an idea floating around, I would say, over the last year that there's maybe going to be two more teams added mm-hmm. to MLB. It's not, I don't think it's gained any traction. But when you talk about the teams that make sense for an expansion, to me, what comes up is Portland, Nashville, yeah. New Orleans, and Charlotte. I think they all have triple A teams and MLB would have to go back and probably redo these agreements to allow it, you know, to allow a major, obviously if they're doing realignment, they're going to be doing that anyways. Right. But like, those are the markets that would make the most sense. MLB kind of knows that and they, minor league baseball knows that and they have teams there, but you're going to have to figure out something. You're going to have to move the minor league teams then, and you're going to have to move the minor league teams to a place where there's not another major league team within a hundred miles or something like it's not going to be that easy. Yeah, um, I was just reading those comments. Uh, C70 mentioned expansion as a revenue source. Yeah, so the franchising fees are worth a lot of money. That is something that has been floated in the last week or so about how to sort of recoup some of the loss from this season, which I think is interesting. Um, And it's very, it's like classic MLB to be like, oh, we're not making money. Let's add more, (laughs) except for where the minor leagues are concerned. And they're like, oh, we want to expand the game. Let's cut a bunch of teams. <laughs> my thought with that, too, is how much revenue does two teams add? So I would think that if you're in – so let's say they're adding – I'm going to use Portland. Because if you're in Portland, aren't you probably already either a Mariners fan or like a 
Giants or yeah. A's fan would be. I guess they're not that close to either. I, I think it's probably like four to six hours to get to Washington or to Seattle. Yeah. But I, it, it kind of strikes me as that like the Rams moving back to LA. It's like it's one thing to go to a market that makes sense, but if there's not a fan base there that's like looking mm-hmm. for a team, yeah. There's no. That you you're just not going to gain the, the traction. I mean, the Rams yeah. went to a Super Bowl and still can't. You know, still get outdrawn <laughs> by their opponents right. in, in, in games last year. Like, I, it, yeah, you gave them a team and they didn't care um, because they're all already fans of somebody else. I, right. I have friends from LA. They're either the one is a Patriots fan, which is interesting. He's kind of flip flopped back and forth. So he had a weird Super Bowl that that first year. <laughs> um, but I, it's like I don't know, maybe Chargers fans. I think there's a lot of Raiders fans still in LA. Yep. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. So for MLB, like, Charlotte is probably, to, you know, go to the other coast, Charlotte is probably all Braves fans. Mm, yeah. And to the extent that you already have coverage in those areas, you're not going to be adding TV revenue. Like, Charlotte, I'm sure, gets Atlanta regional sports coverage. I, you would I, think, I, you although. Think, like, yeah. I, <laughs> MLB I mean, rules MLB are a is little really weird, bad, so. <laughs> the blackout rules, but uh, just talk to any Dodgers fan. And about how they can't watch home games in LA, yeah. uh, but I would think that they probably have all that. Yeah, you know, Nashville's really interesting to me. Nashville, Nashville yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that's um, it's enough of a like a transient community that you're not necessarily going to a place where people are super established. Like I'm a lifelong Braves fan. You know, people move to Nashville yeah. and like adopt Nashville as their kind of second home or whatever so if there's a new sports team I feel like Nashville's a place so it's a growing market which is a you know a good place to land and um and they're really one that doesn't I I, how far is Atlanta from Nashville it's a pretty decent drive still right yeah yeah I mean I'm sure there are Braves fans but yeah but they I don't think like Nashville people are going to many Braves games and that's probably the closest team yeah that would that probably is the best um, fit-wise, probably Nashville. Maybe Vegas. I forgot about them. Mm, um, yeah. Vegas probably could take a team. Again, I don't yeah. know. We'll see how they do with the Raiders. I guess that'll give us a good right. A good kind of <laughs> test case. But, um, yeah. Uh, I Right now it takes three hours, three and a half hours to get from Nashville to Atlanta. So that's basically okay. anybody who lives in Nashville is probably going to – as many Braves games in a year as I go to Cardinals games in a year, which right. is about two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So somehow yeah. still a diehard fan, but I don't get to watch right. many games in person. Yeah. I mean, I go to more games now than I did when I lived in Utah. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit more of a trek, but yeah, I mean, I'm about three and a half hours from, from St. Louis as well. So you said I mean, I've got the quad city team that, you guys have there. They've yeah. been affiliated with like three different major league teams over the last ten years, haven't they? Yeah, they've been they've been around the block a little bit. When we first moved here in two thousand four, I believe they were still an Angels affiliate, and they had been an Angels affiliate many many moons ago for a long time, and then they became a Cardinals affiliate for a while um, through yeah. the like. Trevor Rosenthal, Shelby Miller, Carlos Martinez, Colton Wong, yeah, that's right. Steven Piscotti. They were so, they were on one of the MLB The Show games that I had, which was probably oh, 15, yeah, yeah. 15 or 16 maybe. 
Okay. Yeah, that's you're, the area right. you're talking about is a little before that, but oh, my yeah, it's gone. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's, there we go. There we we're go. back. But we're back. yeah, we're back. So let's see. I started covering them in 2011 when they were a Cardinals affiliate. Um, I want to say it was through maybe 2014. Um, and now they're a, a Houston Astros affiliate, which at the time was cool because we got the, the first year they were an Astros affiliate was the, um, uh, Carlos Correa, Lance McCullers, yeah, that would have uh, been that, a, that draft class. Yeah. So you got to see the Cardinals like golden crop come through. Yep. And then right after that, the Astros <laughs> would turn the Astros around both for coincidentally both and, che- and cheating both, um, both draft classes, uh, handled by Jeff Luno. <laughs> yeah. He was So, the, he was I, good at one thing. <laughs> yeah, he was very he was very talented. Um he mm. may not have been ethical, but he right. <laughs> is very hard to deny that he was talented. Uh, but yeah. it is kind of funny to read the when I read the code break like the I think it was literally called code breaker or something whatever oh, yeah. using yeah. steel signs. It was just like an Excel spreadsheet where <laughs> They would, you know, they'd mark down like what the sign was and then what the pitch was, and eventually just like kind of, I think almost manually figured out just by looking at it. It's like it's this big of an operation, and that's how that that's how we're stealing signs. Then we're banging yeah. a trash can. Like you're right. I, it's not very, a high very, tech. Yeah. <laughs> not a high tech yeah. operation. Um, and I was yet. gonna bring the puppy onto the show, but right now he is sleeping with face first into one of my shoes. Oh. <laughs> um, so we can talk a little bit while he's asleep okay. about, uh, talk about puppies. Yes. So <laughs> since I feel like I kind of talked you into the puppy, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I got talked into the puppy by a few people around me. Um, some tried to talk me <laughs> out of it. Uh, after one week it is, I think I know who was correct. Um, but there definitely is a lot of work. Um, yeah. so, I got a, he adopted him when he was just over eight weeks old. He's a little golden retriever. Uh, obviously with the quarantine, we are, I am around literally all the time um, with a puppy, as I'm sure you know from raising your dog, they pee randomly all the time. And yep. so you kind mm-hmm. of have to be constantly around. Well, I'm already constantly around, but then I also am having to constantly watch. And within, I would say... So I got him on Wednesday. I would say by uh, Saturday, maybe he had, seems like he's developed a strong case of separation anxiety. <laughs> so he, so he has a crate. The first few days he liked his crate. We'd go outside. He'd run back in back to the crate. He'd sleep in there. It was great at night. Um, it was really like he. It was really really impressive for three days. And then all of a sudden, he, I would, anytime the crate door closes, he starts to whine and then immediately starts to bark, uh, probably within like 10 seconds of realizing it's closed. And yesterday, I tried to go pick up a delivery at my front door while he was in the crate, and I came back less than two minutes later to a pee puddle in the crate, uh, which could, you know, just be a total accident. We had been outside a little bit before that. He didn't go, but... Could have been an accident because he is a puppy. Today, I was sitting about three feet in front of the crate trying to get him to calm down while the door was closed, and he peed again right in the middle of the crate. So, what are your tips on dealing with (laughs) 
puppies who have separation anxiety and use their pee as a weapon? Uh, first of all, smart puppy. <laughs> yeah, he he is he is incredibly smart. He already knows how to fetch, which I don't understand nice. how. Like, it must just be maybe it's just natural. He, I mean, he's yeah. a retriever, but um, he's very smart. But yeah, unfortunately, part of being smart is now he knows. Um, now he knows how to use it as a weapon. I see a crate <laughs> small enough so he doesn't go potty in the crate. So the crate is I, I got a crate that's big enough for his his adult size, but he has a divider. So the divider's in it now, so I think it is small enough that he shouldn't want to pee in it. Like, when he lays down, he takes up most of the thing. Uh, so I think the crate size is probably fine. Maybe I could make it smaller, but I don't think that's the... He doesn't have a ton of room in there. Yeah, I've... Um, so I had two different schnauzers, miniature schnauzers growing up, and never had an issue with the... Yeah the crate training with them but my very stubborn wire fox terrier uh was not was not all about it and uh he oh there he is, there he is. oh his sleepy little face oh. he's gonna fall asleep probably right here but i love sleepy puppy faces yeah <laughs> he's a little baby oh cutie he's totally out which is good yeah like do i want to be awake right now um yeah so we tried the smaller crate thing and that didn't really make a difference which was um very annoying because that's what everyone told us was like just make it be a smaller crate yes keely this is what we've all been waiting for um the puppy the puppy show now uh yeah so the smaller smaller crate didn't actually make a difference because my dog's really stubborn um but the biggest thing was just consistency and like making him uh just deal with it (laughs) and not for extended periods of time where it created like legitimate trauma but look he's so cute (laughs) he he has a lot of dreams where he's moving his paws around a lot Mm. so we'll see if he see if he does any of that um let's see louis still does that and he'll do this little Tara, I think I lost you. If you can try to join again. Um, let me see. Oh. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I'm figuring you out. Tara, I think I lost you. There we go. Alright, I think you're coming back on. Let's see. Uh, I may have accidentally hung up on Tara. That is very possible. <laughs> uh, I don't know I probably... if... It was one of the two of us. Uh, I will take the blame for it because I. Probably I also did it. got a text message right when that happened, uh, so I don't know if it freaked out. For me, it's when app. I try to put in if I try to put in AirPods or if I try to like switch oh, from AirPods to yeah. wires. It, yeah. it it hangs up instead of switching the audio. So yeah, who knows? It could have been. <laughs> Look at I him did. Just he is totally out. out. That's totally funny. out. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's hard to resist. It's hard to not want to just snuggle that little yeah. <laughs> nugget all the time. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's been like I said, he's been really good. Once he's asleep, he he almost slept through the night the other day. Like so, he's mm. nine weeks old now. So I was pretty sure I'd be waking up like two to three times a night. Uh, but yeah, I mean the. There's been a couple nights where he, he's had, like, the zoomies at one in the morning. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I think the first time he 
realized that he could hold his pee a little bit. Uh, that was at like 1 a.m. and he just was like dying to go in the kitchen. So we had like an hour at, you know, 1.30 where we were basically going outside for 10 minutes, inside, put him in his crate for two minutes. He, you know, wouldn't want to pee in his crate. So we'd have to get, we'd go back outside and we did that for a while and I eventually lost. He peed in the hallway. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was a good effort. Yeah. It's, it's only he's, been, what, no, he's, a, a week? Almost a week? Yeah. And he's been yeah. really good for, you know, all things considered. He's been really good <laughs> for that week. Um, yeah. Very smart dog. He uh, tried to eat his brush today, which was didn't go <laughs> super well for him. But, well, uh, my dog is um, six years old. And he just <laughs> chewed a piece off of a little plastic basketball today before I realized what he was doing. So, you know, they don't grow out of all of it. Yeah, no, that's his <laughs> thing. His big thing right now is, and, and I mean, he doesn't have hands, obviously. So anything mm. when he's trying to, like, explore the world, he has to put it in his mouth. Yep. Uh, so we find a lot of things in his mouth when we try to go for mini walks. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't gotten too far in his walks yet. Sometimes we'll go and just run in circles. But he's getting there. What? How does uh, how does he like the leash? He <laughs> does it's he mixed. chew on it or anything like that. He chews on the leash a lot. That, yeah. yeah. He chews on the leash when it's here. So like, I was, I tried to like look obviously do a lot of research before and you know getting him and uh, his name's Archer by the way for people that don't know, um, little boy golden retriever. He. So I, I read that, like, when he's – to get him used to the leash, you kind of, like, let him wear it inside and you play with it mm-hmm. and whatever. But now he just thinks it's, like, the same as all of his other toys. <laughs> <clears throat> so instead of, like, the leash being on being a time to play, it's, like, the leash is on, like, I toys, like, on me. So he likes to chew it. Uh, I'd rather him chew that <clears throat> than some other things. Uh, sure. But – it's not the best because eventually he's going to chew through it. He's got very sharp teeth. Yeah, uh, those puppy teeth are something else. Yeah, his, I would say his big two, his, well, his big concern right now is the crate training. So yeah. that's, we're working on it. We tried today um, using like shredded chicken as a incentive to sit in the crate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a, long weekend he so he had two vaccines on saturday um had a reaction to them so then he had to go back on sunday and now he's on a probiotic an antibiotic a dewormer and he has to take his flea and tick and heartworm for the month pretty soon so he's uh going through it Poor I would be doggy. asleep all the time. Yeah. I would be asleep all the time, but he's he's asleep now. But for the most, he's been very active. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So on his leash, he he has walks where he's great, and it looks yeah. like he's almost leash trained. But if I go out with him in the afternoon, it they're, they're, it's hopeless. Yeah. Um, morning, <laughs> Too many distractions. Yeah. Morning, he's totally fine. Evening, he's totally fine. Even with other like animals around, other dogs, mm. other people, because I live in a neighborhood that people are out. You know, pretty much all the time. It's definitely more in kind of late afternoon, early evening. But yeah, he's really good morning and evening walks. Uh, afternoon walks, we end up, like I said, maybe we get 50 feet. 
Um, but we're usually zigzagging in circles, so. Yeah. Uh, but he's learning. He can get <laughs> up my stairs now. Oh, okay. All right. So that that was a big, that was a big one. He doesn't have to get carried up the stairs. Uh, he, I said this before, but he, I tried to let him, he started like fetching some of his toys like on day two or three. <laughs> and so outside, I, you know, we, there's like a fenced in yard that we can use at least for now. Um, so I took him off his leash and was letting, letting him, you know, fetch his toy like 30, 40 feet. And he, that was very natural to him. So does he, things. does he bring it back? He does. He brings it straight okay. back. It's, it's does incredible. he let go of it though? He does. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, Impressive. It's, it took him. <laughs> so we started out with a squeaky, like a squirrel squeaky toy. Okay. Um, doing that in the house. Actually, the first time he did it was with one of his, uh, like one of his little like chew bones. Um, mm. But then, you know, once he was doing that, we started doing it with like a squeaky squirrel toy. And he wouldn't let it go at first, but then, you know, he kind of pretty quickly realized that in order for it to keep going, he had to let it mm. go. So he puts up a little bit of a fight, but not too much. Uh, the problem is he gets pretty excited and then he'll just, you know, when he brings it back, he'll drop it, but then bite your hand. So, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Louis, uh, play fetch, but Louis is also very territorial about his toys. <laughs> so when he realizes that you're trying to take his toy in order to throw it for him, he gets yep. a little, uh, selfish with the toy. <laughs> That was our family dog growing up. Uh, yeah. He was a Shih Tzu and probably something else. But he would love chasing his toys, like, especially, he wouldn't do it as much outside, but, like, you know, around the house, down yeah. the hallway, whatever. Mm-hmm. He was, he loved doing that, but then he'd bring it back, and every time it was just, like, a, a tug of war to get it out of his mouth. And a lot of them are, like, you know, you're dealing with small balls, so you're, like, right. they're, your hands are, like, right in, their, in his mouth, <laughs> yeah. so. The trick, was, the trick with my dog is to have a second toy. And then when he brings it back and realizes <laughs> that you have his other toy, he realizes he wants that one now. Yeah. So he'll drop the one he has, then go chase that one. That's yeah. the cycle. That's <laughs> you just got to uh, use his, uh, his territorial nature to my advantage. <laughs> yeah. That's what I try to do with uh, when, he, when Archer's chewing stuff is, you know, he'll bite the edge of my bed and so then you just get you know something you should be chewing and mm-hmm. swap it out and yeah. keep doing that yeah. until he realizes what's <laughs> chewable and what's not right but, well yeah. i mean if he's figuring stuff out that quickly the the crate training thing's annoying and i felt like it took a lot yeah. longer with louis than i expected it to because he is super smart but he's also just very stubborn um yeah. so you know a little bit at a time yeah no he's been... just got to be consistent yeah, and like I said, he's been through a lot, so he gets a little bit of leeway. But I think the main, definitely my concern is just, like, how do you get him to where, you know, in two or a few um, Yeah. He's not, like, totally freaked out by by being alone. So today we tried, we're trying to reintroduce him to the crate. We're trying to kind of go back to step one, so we'll see how he handles it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like I said, he's still really good with it at night. Usually by, I don't know, it seems like four in the morning he's kind of done with it. Mm. So like whatever his, depending on when he wakes up in the middle of the night, the last one is always like he's kind of done with the crate. 
So we have we still got to figure that out. But he's been, like I said, he's nine weeks old. I've had him for a week. I couldn't ask for <laughs> a whole lot more. Although I did not expect. So he has had the vaccines um, were expected, but the reaction was not. Mm, um, yeah. And he also has Jardia. So Aww. that uh, he's dealing with that, too. So two things that I, the reaction and the Jardia that were not totally expected. I knew about the jar, like right before he got picked up, his whole litter got it the last, mm. like the, like right before they left. So oh. he's, he's on the, he's on the bland diet of canned mush and yeah. shredded chicken and rice. So, which he actually likes a whole lot more than actual food. Oh, there you go. So he's got the, he's yeah. got the shoulder twitch going now. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. He, uh, <laughs> I, I sometimes, there's definitely sometimes it's looked like he's definitely dreaming about like four weeks ago when he was like with his whole litter and mom. Oh, yeah. You can kind of, at least it seems like it, like he's almost, I don't want to, it's like almost like he's still like thinks he's nursing or something, which mm, is mm-hmm. interesting. But, uh, yeah, he, he has a lot of dreams. He's a very, very <laughs> active sleeper. Yeah, yeah. So is Louis, and it's pretty funny. He doesn't. Louis doesn't bark a whole lot, but in his dreams, he's got this little <laughs> little yip that he does, like he's you know almost quietly barking at something in his dreams. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. I haven't pretty seen. Funny. He's been quiet so far in his dreams, but he's <laughs> definitely definitely a mover. Yeah. Um, there's uh, good. There was a good one yesterday. He fell asleep, so I had like a tennis shoe on the floor, and uh, I came. I came into the room and he was just like face down in the tennis shoe and I assumed <laughs> that he was chewing it and then I walked up and he was just out, you know. I, I don't think my foot smells that good, so kind of a weird spot to fall asleep, but I guess you know. Like, my dog really likes wanted. my dog likes socks, but only yep. like worn socks, not clean socks. He likes no, it's gotta used have socks. it's gotta have your it's right. gotta have your socks. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do the uh, how are the roommates adjusting? Uh, I think they, so yeah, so I always had, I would say one was more into it than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's still probably the case. Uh, kind of they're not asking a lot of either of them in terms of like care and stuff. So he's warmed up to him. I think they've warmed up to him. So that's good. It's gone well. Um, <laughs> he, uh, hopefully now that he's starting to like know that he can't just pee everywhere uh he can be kind of running around and have more sure yeah step into access to the house so he's gonna be seeing more of them probably over the next couple of couple of days hopefully hoping that helps with the some of the other stuff too but yeah he's been he's been yeah some of the have to watch and keep everybody's doors closed which is right (laughs) That's probably my biggest worry is that he, you know, and not right now because he just doesn't, I mean, his teeth are sharp, but his mouth is that strong. Mm-hmm. But in like a few weeks, you leave a door open, I think he's going to tear up some shoes. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does seem to be a shoe guy, so you got to watch I'm, out for I those. I mean, aren't all dogs. <laughs> uh, I, actually, Louie never really chewed shoes. He chewed a lot of other stuff. Um, he had, at my parents' They had um, a futon that had this wooden, oh, yeah. um, like, frame, I guess. 
And any place there were, you know, the bolts holding it together, there were these wooden knobs stuck in it. He definitely chewed one of those off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like corners of things and what I, he didn't really bother shoes too much, but sure. Yeah. So he likes the laces of any shoe. Mm. Um, I've caught him sleeping on my sandals at least a couple times. And then I had like these St. Louis Cardinals slippers that I never mm-hmm. really wear, but at some point I, at some point I got them and, uh, you waking up? Nope. Uh, oh, just adjusting. Yeah. <laughs> and he took a, like, he started like grabbing those and bringing it into his crate. So maybe if I just let him do that and accept that those are gone, that'll, that'll help him. <laughs> those but, are his now. <laughs> yep. Those are his. I tried to give yeah. him a shirt, and he got over the shirt pretty quick. So mm. he's a yeah, he's a smart dog. So he'll get yeah. there. But the uh, the separation anxiety might also go away a little bit when he's you know around other people or can explore a little bit, and he's probably just gotten used to you being right there yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was, I think, looking back on it, probably the first couple of days I maybe should have let him. Because I didn't really let him cry a whole lot. I mm, live in yeah. uh, an apartment building, so we're one of six apartments. Um, I would say the building as a whole, the walls are kind of thin. And then the vents oh, yeah. are all connected. So mm. I wasn't sure how much I wanted <laughs> to let him cry. Because, like, if he's, you know, it's one... Because every, everybody's home right now. It's one thing if you can cry at four in the afternoon when nobody's home but with everybody being home that makes it a lot tougher and especially at night it's like there's you know we know that at least one i mean one i'm sure my roommates would like him less if he was keeping them up uh by whining Mm -hmm. at night but then you know there's at least one i think just one apartment that has a baby but like they've you know asked people before to kind of keep everything down so it's like okay now all of a sudden you know if i have a baby (laughs) baby well he is a baby um if i have a puppy crying at night are we going to get a noise complaint from somebody like that Mm, yeah yeah trying to figure that out um i like i said I'm a little hesitant right now that he used his pee as a weapon to leave him in the crate for very long. Um, <laughs> yeah. But probably needs to just so he knows that that doesn't get him out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mostly. because, I mean, as smart as he is, he's going to figure out that if that if that gets him out of the crate, pretty that's, pretty easy. Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing is if, if, if he knows he can just pee in the middle of the crate and that's what gets him out, I'm sure he'll – he obviously doesn't have a problem with it, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I I want I'm kind of interested to see how his color comes in because you can see on here his ear is really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting. He's a little small. He reached ten pounds finally today. Okay. Um, a little small, <laughs> but he's uh he's been good. I thought he might be awake for this, but we did go on kind of a long walk a little like a couple hours ago at this point. So hopefully he'll be out for. I'm sure he'll wake up right when I'm about to go to bed. Right. That'll be. Yeah. And then I want to play. <laughs> Hopefully not, but maybe we'll see. <laughs> um, all right. So I think uh, that probably does it for us today. Uh, Tara, thanks for coming on. I know, obviously, we did not get to talk about your favorite topics with minor league 
with minor league teams contracting um, and baseball still not happening. But hopefully there are bigger days ahead. Uh, yes. We'll definitely have, as, as far as the negotiations go, we'll definitely have um, things to talk about, whether we like them or not. Uh, it'll be interesting right. to see how that story develops. And then it'll be interesting to see as you know the economy maybe starts getting reopened back up and people start going back to work and social. I don't think social distancing is going to be you know lessened too much anytime right. soon. But you know it'll be interesting to see the way the MLB and the the leaders and around baseball can get their heads together and see how maybe we can get some type of baseball play yeah. in 2020 hopefully um, something's better than nothing so hopefully they can obviously they're working behind the scenes hopefully they we can start seeing some real proposals soon that start gaining some traction so thanks again for joining um i'm zach gifford uh thanks tara coming on we're both over at birds on the black um you can find us on twitter you can find us at birds on the um and we'll see you probably next week thanks guys Can't close it.